Welcome to Our Stories. I'm your host, Josh Awin. I'll be discussing with my guests stories about what makes them Jewish. We'll dive into their bonds to Judaism and what they hope to pass on to the next generation. Regardless of denomination, gender, or geography, I hope to highlight the commonality between us all through these episodes. Thank you for joining me for these stories, our stories. Welcome, everybody. We are here uh, recording live at uh, Bethel Synagogue in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. We are uh, guests of the Artist Lab through uh, the Jewish Community Centers here in Minnesota. We have five wonderful guests that we're going to be speaking with here today. Uh, They're going to go around the table and just maybe we'll introduce ourselves with their name. And um, let's uh, mix it up and say maybe your art medium. And we'll skip all the other questions we talked about beforehand. So if you want to start, Susan? Uh, I'm Susan Weinberg, and I am both a painter and a writer. I am Sarah Routman. I do photography, multimedia, and poetry, and I also laugh a lot. Diane Pecoraro, poet. Carolyn Lightbell, writer and photographer. Dana O'Sullivan, I'm an artist, a fiber artist, and a painter. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, So um, let's start with kind of what you are doing for the Artist Lab first. Uh, We'll come back to that one. We're going to talk about your very, very first Jewish memory. Just kind of if there's a a memory that you had that was, you know, sitting around a Shabbat table, whether it was cooking with a grandparent, whether it was walking to services or going to services with a grandparent, is there or a Hebrew school teacher, is there a, a Jewish memory that you have as like a very, very first Jewish memory? To in, in your life. So if anyone wants to, we can go back through the list, or if there's someone, if you, yeah, have, a, have an idea. Um, Sunday school at the age of about four or five, being driven to the local synagogue. Which synagogue? That I grew up. It was called the Hebrew Institute. I grew up in White Plains, New York. All right. Why is that uh, a memory for you? What, what was about, what did you connect with that? I don't know, but when you asked the question, that was the first thing I had in mind were my parents driving me to the Sunday school. It was a Sunday school, not a Hebrew school. What kind of car was it? Studebaker. Oh, yes. <laughs> Who was your teacher? I don't remember. All right. Was it a big class? Um, no, because there weren't that many Jews in White Plains, New York at that time. Really? No. What did your parents do for a living? My father owned a carburetor repair shop in White Plains. My mother at that time was a housewife. Did you have a lot of Jewish friends? No. Was there a lot of Jewish families in White Plains? No. Wow. So you just had just the Sunday school? Sunday school. And I think in my elementary school, there were probably about two or three other Jewish kids. Okay. And it was just a Sunday school held at the synagogue? Yes, that's right. All right. Interesting. So my father was a Studebaker dealer. (laughs) In White Plains, New York? No, in Minneapolis. (laughs) Randolph Light. So uh, my first memory of anything that had to do with being Jewish was when my mother announced that we were going to be going to Temple Israel. And I was already in the fourth grade and we'd been going to the Unitarian Church. My mother was baptized uh, at um, Westminster. Her father was Jewish, but he was a socialist and an intellect and had no interest in in, us. Judaism whatsoever. But at any rate, so I took to Camp Danlady, where I was already happy and enjoying my summer. I took Hillel's Holidays and a workbook and learned, and it was white, and it had a little boy and a little girl on the front blowing out the Shabbat candles, and I didn't know anything about what being Jewish was. 
And so I learned at Camp Danworthy where I was happy riding horses and swimming, and um, there it was. I learned about the holidays. What was the first holiday? That we studied in that book? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> was it a thick book? No, it wasn't such a thick book, but the workbook was, you know, easy. So you just looked in the book, and yeah. I thought, well, this is easy. If I, this is what being Jewish is about. That's fine with me. I don't care. Was it as easy as you thought? Now sure. looking I mean, back on it, oh, you mean being Jewish? Yeah. No, because I went to a private school, and there were very few Jews, and those who were were uh, assimilated to the point where we never discussed it. Okay. And there was a lot of anti-Semitism. Okay, and all right, and this was at the, at the school in Minneapolis. Yes, it was a private school. So. Okay, interesting, interesting. Anybody else? My first memory is my father standing in the hallway between my bedroom that I shared with my twin sister and my other sister's bedroom, and every night he would stand there and conduct like he was a an orchestra conductor and um, lead us in the Shema, and to this day. I'm 61 years old, and when I see him, just as I'm saying goodnight, he insists on saying the Shema to me. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very big part of my, my growing up. Interesting. Very nice. <clears throat> hey, this is Susan Weinberg. And um, my first Jewish memory is of my grandmother saying the blessing over the Shabbat candles, which we never did any other time. She lived with us for a couple of years when I was very young, and she was losing memory. But that was a memory that was really embedded, and I, I later painted it mm -hmm. when um, I was doing a series on family history because it was really vivid. Mm -hmm. um, and when I, when I stood by the painting, I, I took my seat at my childhood table. Mm. I couldn't stand in front of it. I stood sideways. Nice. What was her name? Sadie. Where is she from? She was from the Ukraine, okay. Kamenets Podolsk. Okay. <laughs> more, more than you yeah. wanted. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. No, no, that's good. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, my memories don't go back quite as far as yours because in 1967 I converted to Judaism. And shortly after that, I planned to go on Aliyah to Israel. So in order to do that, um, we had been converted, my husband and I, by an, a conservative rabbi, so we had to be re-converted, I guess you want to say, by an Orthodox rabbi to go to Israel. And we did that, and we went through the mikvah with an entire family, three children and ourselves, and um, actually were married immediately after going to the mikvah. So my first memory was this Jewish marriage with this dripping wet hair. <laughs> um, Do you put shoes on when you broke the glass? That's a very strong memory. And even for my children, my daughter was four at the time. So she remembers that even today, going into the mikvah altogether. Uh, the three, or there were two, uh, two daughters and myself and then my son and uh, also my memory was his complaining about the ritualistic circumcision mm. so there's lots of memories back there yeah that are what was it like to take experience with real judaism what was it like to take your daughters through the mikvah i'm sorry what was it like to take your daughters through the mikvah because normally going to I a mikvah is a very um what's the word um it brought it all together you know it said this is a real ritual that is important in Judaism, and the fact that we're doing it together—excuse me—is all is really important. That as a family, we're doing this together. Mm -hmm. You know, nice. so it was quite an experience. And then 
Shortly after that, we started Hebrew and then went to Israel. Nice. Was Israel a fun time? We were there almost three years. Wow. Amazing. Um, so then moving forward, you've, these are the kind of the memories that you've solidified, you know, like the way, way back. Is there a memory that you have, whether it's in adolescence or adulthood, that you would say that, again, this is a, a moment where I, I recognize that I'm, I'm a Jew or, or something that really kind of is a, is a, a solid story that you could say is, is again, kind of continues that arc of, you know, kind of connecting the dots. Is there something in that, in the, in the adulthood? Adulthood or teenagers? Either one. Uh, as a teenager, I was very involved in BBYO mm-hmm. and uh, later become, became a director, much to my own chagrin. But I, um, Mine as well. I felt, yes, <laughs> I felt very um, connected to Jews all over the world through that experience. And I was also in a Jewish youth choir, and we were lucky enough to be the first Jewish youth choir to go to Israel and sing on Israel's 25th anniversary. And that was a huge. Um, moment for me because growing up as a teenager, I kept saying, I want to go to Europe. I want to travel. I want to go to Europe. And my parents, of course, were like, go to Israel, go to Israel. And so I went to Israel with the choir, but I never stopped wanting to go to Europe. And later when I did go to Europe, I went with the Jewish lens because what I did is arranged with my uh, Jewish local newspaper to write articles about the Jewish experience as I traveled. And so I've always been drawn to the diaspora feeling of we're all Jews out there in the world and how do we connect to each other. Nice. And you would say that 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 experience definitely helped solidify your love of Israel or just it connected you with Jews or was it a trip that specifically there was like a a touch point, whether it's singing at the Kotel or I don't know the location, but was there a moment when you're standing in the sun in Israel like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get it. Actually, I had a really bad headache, and we were at some place in Israel, like a hotel or something, and I remember lying on the cement ground and feeling the sun, and it was in Jerusalem or outside, so I saw all the Jerusalem stone, and I just remember feeling very grounded, and just the thing that struck me about Israel was how I felt so safe there and that everybody was Jewish. And that I always have felt connected to, um, I used to call it the blue thread, um, the blue thread of Judaism. When you meet someone else that's a Jew, you don't say, how Jewish are you? Do you keep Shabbos? Do you keep kosher? You say you're Jewish. We have a connection. It's a shared history. And so I think all of my travels have always made me very, very connected. And I'll just add one more piece as an adult I created a program that brought Israeli and American and Bulgarian teens together. And we went to Bulgaria for a Jewish cultural study for eight years. And that was probably the most incredible experience of all because of Bulgarian Jews being protected in the Holocaust. And as a Jew, it was the first time that I learned about here was a country that protected its Jews and as a young person, the first question I had hearing about the Holocaust was always, um, why didn't we do anything? Why didn't we fight back? And so to hear of the country and the people who did that, I needed to go there. And I wanted to connect other teens to that experience. Amazing. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I went to a reformed temple. And we had a little bit of a maverick rabbi. And in my confirmation class, I remember we had a discussion. First of all, 
if we believe God existed, and if so, in what form? And this was at the same time that we were doing a comparative religion class, and we were going around to different churches and other structures, other organizations, and learning about them. And I remember being so appalled at dogma, that that whole idea that you had to believe something really bothered me. So I was I found the rabbi very refreshing because I don't like being told what I have to believe. I need to come to it in my own way. And I felt that I was given the space to do that. And that felt really important to me. And I remember thinking, oh, I could be Jewish. <laughs> so nice. Where was this at? This was at in Peoria, Illinois. Okay. What was the rabbi's name? Rabbi Mark. Very nice. Very nice. You have nothing to say? Not yet. Okay. As a teenager, I think a positive experience that I had was having been confirmed, because in those days, way back when, girls were not allowed to be botanists, but it wasn't even a conscious thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but at any rate, so I went beyond confirmation at Temple Israel in Minneapolis, and there was a very small group of us. I think there were about six only out of a confirmation class, maybe 50 who continued with our so-called study, but it was primarily conversation, mm. philosophical conversation. I don't recall exactly who was in charge, but I just remember feeling a great deal of freedom, um, and I enjoyed that, and it kept me motivated to being Jewish because there was nothing really in, at home mm -hmm. or at school that was at all Jewish, and so for me, it was a comfort level that I really appreciate. Was it just women in the class? No, just no. These were girls and boys. We were high school. Mm -hmm. And after three years of this, it must have been three, well, it was two more years because confirmation was in the 10th grade and then juniors and seniors we were in this so-called class. Um, we got some kind of certificate. I don't recall what it was, but I remember just enjoying it very much. Did you push to it, to, to go to it, or was it your parents that pushed you to go no, to it? No, my parents would never have pushed that. But you said, I would like to continue doing this. I did. I, I was motivated myself. Nice. Yeah. And to stick up to your parents. Not stick up, no, but just to say. it wasn't that they resisted. They just, it wasn't something that was uh, nurtured necessarily okay. at home. We celebrated Christmas, for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was time to celebrate Hanukkah, it was really my father, who was Jewish, who really objected. He didn't mm. like it at all. Wow. And I won't repeat what he said when my mother tried to put up Hanukkah decorations. Okay. He, you know, I asked him about how he managed anti-Semitism in his Studebaker dealership. And he said, I have to run a business. Mm. Because... The anti-Semitism definitely came up. Mm -hmm. We never talked about it, but I asked him specifically. Mm -hmm. So he was really very, he was one of many people in, not just in Minneapolis, but I'm sure in our country, who resisted being clearly identified as a Jew. He, he didn't deny it. It was just that it was something he didn't advertise. He had no interest in it. He didn't like it. Mm -hmm. He was, by the way, the first child in South Dakota to be bar mitzvah. Your father was? My father was. Wow. And he didn't tell me that. Someone else did. Wow. So. She called Guinness Book of World Records. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, I always feel Jewish. Um, but, and this is a, a bit of a negative. Uh, I lived in the South for a long time until um, Katrina, and then I moved here. 
But I had a group of friends there, and uh, one night we're sitting around, and one of them says something very negative about um, Jews in Meridian, Mississippi. And at that moment, I felt I had to defend myself. Mm -hmm. I had to defend Judaism. I had to defend being Jewish and that this wasn't uh, the cause of being a Jew in this city. And, uh, and I did. And that's when I felt very strongly. How did your friends take to that? I think he was embarrassed a bit, but he didn't really say much. Mm. You know, because I don't think I changed his mind. Mm. I think he would be maybe anti-Semitic. I don't even know if he knew he was being anti-Semitic. It was just a thing that people said. Oh, you know, the Jews have all the money. And he was saying that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when it really hit me that I have to always be able to defend Judaism. Mm -hmm. And that's when I felt Jewish. Very nice. Very nice. By junior high school, a lot of Jews had moved up into White Plains, a lot of them from the television industry and so on. And I was an extremely shallow teenager, as attested by my diaries from the age of 12. <laughs> my interest was really in socializing. So somehow I ended up in a group of Jewish girls through a, through a synagogue. And the rabbi's wife in that synagogue, I didn't belong to that synagogue, but she collected you know, Jewish girls together of junior high age. And we did community projects. And one of those projects I remember was teaching cerebral palsy children how to swim in a local pool. And she always had something for us to do, licking stamps or putting things in envelopes that were some kind of community project. And that was it. I mean, really, after that, and. Beyond that, I had practically no Jewish life. Really? In high school, no. Um, I had many Jewish friends. There was something like a little Jewish sorority kind of thing. So we clustered together, obviously. But it was certainly not the source of my life. And sitting here sitting, thinking about it, it really wasn't. There was never like a, a formal Jewish no, no. thing or like Shabbat dinners that you would go to? Sometimes we'd go to a Shabbat dinner. My grandmother lived in the Bronx. And so every week we went down to visit my grandmother. But mm -hmm. she didn't make much of it. She'd make a dinner and she didn't call it a Shabbat dinner. Mm -hmm. But it was, I suppose. You acted way. Jewish. It wasn't necessarily a big Jewish. We didn't really act Jewish. We had dinner. <laughs> my, grandmother, my grandmother did speak Yiddish. What did she make? What did she make for dinner? Well, she made something Jewish like pot roast. <laughs> or potato cookie. Okay. Kind of nice. And so, you know, we had that connection. Nice. And she spoke Yiddish. And so there was that big connection. Mm -hmm. That's always been a big connection. So. Wonderful. Yeah. One more question. And then, all right, so then I guess the, in speaking to what you all are doing in the artist lab, what is a, um, what's the threshold that you're going to cross over to maybe pass the identity, the Jewish identity on to the next generation? Is there, is there a way that you are, whether it's through art or whether it's through comedy or any of your artistic endeavors, is there a way that you're passing on Judaism to, to, the, to the next generation, to grandkids or, or educating anyone like that? Well, I got into family history some years ago and um, have been doing artwork that relates to Jewish identity, actually, since. Um, I did a series on my own family history, which secretly was really for my nieces, 
Um, their mother's Jewish, their father isn't, and they kind of waver between their identity, and I wanted them to know their history. Um, more recently, I did a series of interviews with elders at Shalom, and uh, both have the video, but also developed artwork on the video, on the stories, um, because I think it's important to take those stories back into the community. And part of what I was looking at was my own identity, and sometimes I find it helpful to talk to other people about how how they experience being Jewish and how they, how, and, you know, and, and how it may have changed. And it, for me personally, it really grounded me more in the Jewish community here. Um, hearing their stories, and I, I think it can have that effect on others. I think it's an important uh, it's important to preserve those stories and to share them, and that's one of the things I try to do through my artwork. Wonderful. So, like Carolyn, I um, continue to study past. Um, I was actually about mitzvah, but past that and confirmation. My father actually taught a class called "How to Be a Mensch." And it was a lot about what does it mean to be the chosen person and what's your responsibility, even in dating, he related it to that, to, um, to, to turn someone down. What's your responsibility? And that class resonates with me so much. And I think um, my threshold as an artist um, revolves around that. What does it mean to be chosen, but also what does it mean to be unchosen? Um, I am a person who has been divorced. I have lost a child, so there are broken pieces of my heart, and I'm exploring that right now through um, through multimedia and a heart project. Um, the divorce led me to explore the physical piece of art that my sister made of my ketubah and the very different black and white piece of paper that is my get. And I'm currently exploring that, and even with the photography, I find hearts places on the tree, in the dirt, um, in the sky. And so I'm integrating all of that. And I think the, the legacy, the threshold for me is to try to pass on to my children and to the people I encounter in my work that we get to decide how we survive. And we do survive. And there's a big survival instinct as Jews um, and teaching people my experience and what is possible when you take the broken pieces and put them back together. And I think Judaism offers so many wonderful um, traditions and uh, things, tools that if we explore them are available to us. Wonderful. Every year in the artist lab, I struggle to come up with something Jewish. I mean, I really struggle. And this year, the best I could do is I'm trying to finish a poem called Bagels in a Boca. <laughs> what is the beginning of it? What does it sound like? What does it sound like? It starts off with the names of a bunch of delicatesses in Florida. Perfect. <laughs> well, I clearly identify as a Jew. I'm happy to be part of the artist lab. But to be perfectly honest, I believe, as a Jew, I believe part of my whole MO is to be watchful. And that's because of my background, because of how I was brought up. And what I clearly have come to understand is our forever status as part of the human culture. 
people are always looking for others to, <clears throat> excuse me, discriminate against. And we are as ready a target as we've always been. So as much as I'm proud of being Jewish, I'm also careful. And my eclectic interests have always caused me to explore things about many other cultures. And this is one of the primary values that I believe I have um, inculcated in my own children and their children. I don't ever want to be so Jewish that I'm nothing else, or that I'm only that, or that I'm identified as a Jewish this or a Jewish that. I happen to be Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so it's a wonderful thing. I'm grateful I am, because I think it's a wonderful thing to be. It's, people are incredible and outstanding, and we all know that. But um, You can't do anything about people who are jealous of you. Mm -hmm. It's an uncontrolled situation. So the only thing you can do is be gracious to others. 100%. Well, I don't think there's enough hours in the day or days in the week and all for the thresholds. I have no more than one threshold. Okay. Uh, I would like to create some kind of Haggadah for my family this year. Anything yet in drawing it. Um, <laughs> um, and I also want to do more since I started doing it for the thing today on Jewish women in the Torah. I want to do more with that uh, as an art piece. And, and then in another sense, I do a few volunteer things and I want to be very careful where I volunteer and who I volunteer for uh, because sometimes I don't think it's the right place for me. And uh, I'm looking to, to do the most good in the, the best places. Wonderful. And that's my threshold. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Well, uh, thank you again to the Artist Lab for, uh, for having us here. We really appreciate uh, being part of your uh, kind of closing day. And uh, thank you very much for all your stories. They're wonderful to, to share. And um, when we're up and running, I'll, I'll send you out the link. So thank you very, very much.